What a beautiful day to be alive. Welcome to the You Can Do It Too podcast. Yes, you can do it too. My primary mission in this podcast is to empower minority youths and young professionals around the globe to imagine beyond any limits and strive to be their best self. Who am I? I am many things. I am a son, a brother, a husband, a friend. I'm an engineer. I'm a medical student at the University of Texas at Austin Dell Medical School, Hooken. Well, if you ask me to be specific, I'm a problem solver. I'm a critical thinker. I would love to see you reach your full potential. Yes, you. You have what it takes. I'm rooting for you. First of all, thank you so much for the time and joining in the podcast. Yeah. You're welcome. Neka Edi. Yes. Amazing. Thank you so much again. So just to get us started, I the last time, I mean, we went to high school together, right? Mm-hmm. In Beaumont, Texas, mm-hmm. which is everybody at, at uh, I tell that I went to high school in Beaumont asked me like I'm, say, say to me I'm sorry I'm sorry for you I don't know why because of just the stories they hear in Beaumont and all I don't know what stories they hear, but. I left Guinea around in 2011 and moved to the U.S. and uh, just came to Beaumont, uh, moved in with my uncle, and I went to high school. And uh, Beaumont, it was at least 80%, 75%. I mean, our high school, Ozen High School, was about 75% African-American. But in terms of Africans, I feel like it wasn't a lot. I, yeah. So when did you move to Beaumont? Were you born there? I went to Parapa, Texas, so it's right next to Beaumont, Parapa. Okay. Like that's where the airport it is and everything. Yeah. Oh, we have an airport. In, in Parapa. Oh, wow. I didn't know How that. How did I do that? Okay. Like, there's Needleland. Like, people would play games there in Needleland. Oh, like, yeah. right across from Needleland. I don't know that. Um, so, I was born there, but, like, I lived in Beaumont, like, all throughout, like, like my childhood oh, wow. and everything. Yeah. Whenever we played football in Netherlands and uh, Ryder, we had to get out. We had to just, after the game, you get in the bus and you Why? Can't take, you can't even take shower because they just want you out of their town. Oh, yeah, it's, it's kind yeah. of a, a racist town, England. Yeah, so, yeah I think that's, that's what people that's were fair. talking about. That's fair. Yeah. Wow. What was that childhood like for you growing up uh, in, in Port Arthur? Like, uh, yeah, well, I was born in Port Arthur, but I, I grew up in Beaumont. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, like, I had a good childhood as well, I would say. Like, I never was, like, pushed to do anything. I could do, like, do whatever I want do whatever I wanted, like, with regards to, like, my career. Mm-hmm. I feel like some people, like, tell their children, like, you should be in finance, or you should be a doctor, or you should do whatever else. I don't know. Um, but I feel like I had, like, lots of room to, like, explore and mm-hmm. do what I wanted. Um, so, I don't know. That's a big part, because yeah. you have origin, Nigerian origin, right? Yeah. Your, your dad is from Nigeria, mm-hmm. but your mom is... Uh, American, mm-hmm. okay, and uh, I, I'm sure your dad grew up in the Nigerian culture a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how did you feel like that was? He tried to instill that in you in the beginning. Like, how did you? I'm sure. I mean, knowing you a little bit, I think I, I can't see that Niger that African culture in you a little bit. Like, growing up, how was that balanced? The idea of just getting that. Uh, your African culture, but also living in the U.S.? Um, yeah, I think, like, it just depends on, like, if your parent is involved or not. Mm. And, like, you see a lot of people who are, like, mom's from here, dad's from there, and a lot of people, like, I feel like if whoever raised you the most, which is really the mother, that's who's the culture that you adopt the most. Mm. But I feel like, for me, like, my dad was in my life a lot, even though he was busy because he worked a lot. And, like, we always made sure we went back, like, every other year. We had, like, Nigerian passports. Like, we had, like, Nigerian, like, dual citizenship. Uh, we could, like, always go back to our family there and, like, talk to them and like, connect with them and, and, like, have friends there. So I feel like that really will help, like, strengthen. That's um, amazing. You know? Yeah, exactly. And so, like, my dad would always go back. He would, like, bring medicine for, like, if anyone needed help and things like that. So I feel like that is like the best way, like when you're in your childhood, to like strengthen your culture, just like to go back. I mean, you can almost get like good cultural richness in Texas, 
maybe like Beaumont, Texas isn't the best place, but like Houston is a, not very far, mm -hmm. right? You can like cook all the dishes, you know, speak the language at home. But I feel like going back is really where like is the most important mm -hmm. at not just like having the cultural knowledge, but like really feeling like you're a part of the culture. Part of it. So that's yeah. a big part. When I when I was little, I mean, before I came to the US, every year when it was summer vacation, we used to go to the village, right? Mm -hmm. Stay close to our the grandparents, but yeah. also the older uncles. Yeah. So when I moved to the US and my parents used to tell me, oh, this uncle died who like 95 and something. Yeah. I like, I know that one because I used to go there, right? Mm -hmm. And so many of my cousins don't have that experience because they weren't able to go to the village. Mm -hmm. So I'm so, I didn't know that. I'm so glad you were able to experience that yeah. uh, in Nigeria. And how often you guys went? But you used to go like, every two years every other year um now the last time i've been since COVID is 2019. oh wow so i may get to go back this year i don't exactly know my passport my nigerian passport expires this year so i wanted to go back but didn't know elections like coming up soon and promise make sure you go at the right right time and everything that's um, amazing so yeah i do not know uh i mean but, we haven't got the opportunity to meet and get to know each other too much, but from what I've seen in high school and uh, just your family, right? Or even you as a human being, as a person, you can notice that, uh, that I don't know, aura of, uh, of uh, like what, what, is, what we are now in terms of like that focus, that uh, drive, right? And I feel like one of the things that sometimes uh, in our culture that can be a challenge is the ability for the parents to let us just go mm -hmm. and experience things. Mm -hmm. But I feel like you also had that the ability of just going and experiencing things. And, and I think that's one of the biggest key to success. Mm -hmm. I think imagination is a big key to success. But before imagination, you need exposure. Mm -hmm. And before exposure, you need freedom to, to, to go out there and, and search. And, mm -hmm. and that's, a, that's an amazing, I feel like, thing to have. I mean, yeah, I think that, I think that's true. I think being from Beaumont, you don't get exposure to a lot of things. You know, like the things you know mm -hmm. you could be successful with in Beaumont as like a doctor and a lawyer. I didn't even know engineering was a thing until like twelfth grade. So I feel like exposure is a good thing, and like you can like have freedom. Like, like your parents can let you have some freedom, mm -hmm. but like to an extent, you can need their guidance to discover all the options. Mm -hmm. Or you need career coaches in high school to help you like discover what you know you they think you may be good at, or here are some options. And I feel like I never really got that. Mm -hmm. So although I I didn't have any pressure to do a certain thing, I didn't know what I wanted to do because I didn't really know wow. any of the options, right? So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of rough. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember what was your happiest moment in Nigeria? If you imagine all the time you've been spending there like what was one happy moment that you always go back happy to happy moments so many happy moments i remember lots of uh, moments with like one of my uncles my uncle joe and like running to him and like i remember running to him and like falling down and getting like this big scratch on my leg and like just being like happy to see him and then like falling down like waste fun like on like this like rocks and like hurting myself uh it's like one of my most vivid memories um that i had there i think like most of the time I liked going to the village, it was really fun. I didn't really think anything of it when I was younger. We always went to the village, everyone was in the village. But like, cousins my age, now that they've grown up, they're not living in the village, right? They live in cities. So we go and like see them in the cities. And so I feel like it's even more special when I get to go back to the village now because mm -hmm. I'm, when I go back to Nigeria now, I'm like less in the village. I'm with my cousins who are in the city. Mm -hmm. um, and when I go back to the village, I'm like, okay, I remember this because like you guys used to live here, but like you moved on. Uh -huh. I'm really wondering about like the cultural shift of like living in villages now because most people like they go back to see their, their older parents who are like all the times passing away now. Mm -hmm. And when they're at that age. Um, and I feel like more and more people are just like living in the cities. But wow. that could just be because my family maybe is getting a little bit more wealthy, like, mm -hmm. you know, and that could be, I mean, that's a good thing. Yeah, so. it's a different mindset because I feel like for them, I mean, they are just a car away, right? And right, they, yeah. They can go. And sometimes I feel like, I mean, knowing my experience, if I tell my friends who used to live in the village, 
who are in the capital now to to go back and say i don't want to go yeah, yeah but for us i if we want that because we just been running in these cities right all yeah. year for years yeah. and when we get back we just want to feel that air that fresh air it's where very there's no slow car. there yes everything moves much slower in the village where which you, is nice yeah where you can just walk out pick up a mango here <laughs> hey, <laughs> lots of coconuts in nigeria <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That, that, that's an amazing feeling. And uh, I, I definitely can see that difference of people from here when they go there. When I go to Guinea, I want to get to the village as soon as I can. Mm -hmm. The thing is, there's nothing there, right? And you have to come back because the people that's going to go with you have to get back to the capital and start working. So mm -hmm. they don't want to spend too much time. But it's always an amazing feeling. Yeah. You talked about your dad uh, going to, to Nigeria and uh, bringing some medication to help out and uh for us i mean i, I share the same feeling in uh, growing up many m my dad is a physician and i think one of the reasons that he became a physician was the fact that he understood the need of having someone with that knowledge in the family right and uh, when they become a physician they feel like it's their responsibility to to do that right when they go to the village they cannot go without bringing medication and stuff like that did you did that like give you any sense of wanting to serve mm -hmm. i definitely did i don't think that my i think like seeing my dad's interactions like seeing his life mm -hmm. unfold i figured like this is like what i wanted like this is the career that i wow. wanted to go into like seeing like if i ever shadowed him or to his office or like seeing his patients like come up to him and like where we were like thinking him or like seeing him in Nigeria and like helping people like prescribing them medications glaucoma runs in our families so, like helping them with that mm -hmm. excuse me I think like that mm -hmm. was very inspiring to me versus like someone telling me this is what you should be doing mm -hmm. like seeing that I'm sorry my eyes it's okay. it's okay uh like back to what I was saying like I think that seeing someone's actions like seeing my father's actions mm -hmm. is like definitely something that like is very inspiring that you like wanted to like replicate and like how valuable and meaningful all his patients were um to him and i think that kind of influences like what i want to go into and like why i chose like to be a physician and definitely like having someone in your family that knows medicine i mean of course our fathers would tell you that's important because like they're doctors but i mean it can be helpful if a lot of people you know like in your village don't have access to those types of things mm -hmm. and like an everly growing like world like that those things are important yeah you know and like any like i know like one of my cousins um you know she has some some lymphoma right now i'm not sure which type of lymphoma but she has a lymphoma in nigeria and so like being able to like understand you know what her workup and what her treatment like and making sure that she's like getting like the appropriate treatment mm -hmm. like even being miles and miles away i think like that's important yes that's a, definitely for them i think that was their biggest driver it's like for my father specifically he told i heard him say that i mean the reason that he decided to do that was he, he he when it's time to choose and there was no one who had that background and he saw some of his i mean his parents were getting older and stuff he wanted to go and have that also his dad died i mean when he was 17 his dad died with a unknown illness or something bite beat him and uh, it seemed like something beat him and then he had a big uh, this thing just became inflamed and no one was there to to he had to struggle that for a year and they tried different things so that motivated yeah. him to go and learn that post after after his father's death now us we don't i mean especially with our father's being that for me my father don't want me to be a physician <laughs> but because uh i mean because of the time that you you go through and all of that but at the end of the day we have we get to follow our dream right i feel like we owe that to ourselves yeah that's amazing I'm glad that you were able to have that uh, experience uh, growing up. Coming back to the to the U.S., uh, in terms of the education, you talked about your parents always letting you be free and exploring things, right? I mean, we met in ninth grade, and 
you definitely were always the smartest uh, in ninth grade from ninth our high school you were the smartest in our class i mean we all the ranking was high and all of that uh were you always i mean in terms of uh, the type the atmosphere at home was that something that were expected or was that a pre was that something that you just took to yourself yeah took responsibility um I think I was just like the most responsible kid in the house. You were? Like, yeah, I was definitely a loser in the house. Not really, <laughs> but I was. I think like I really didn't like stuff out of my show probably until like high school. And like just like, I don't know, like just doing what I was told. Just like very natural. Being a good kid. I'm going to be an amazing mother because I'm going to tell my kids. Like I always just used to like do the dishes. And I always like would be on time. I'm going to like brag about how great <laughs> of a student I was because I really was and anyway, I don't know why mm-hmm. like there was really no pressure in my house like to do it I mean like you were mature I was very mature and like no one like ever checked my grades like they didn't ever worry like if I was gonna like fail something like, they never like were stressed about me so mm-hmm. I just like always just did like did it mm-hmm. um so I'm gonna brag to my kids but like <laughs> I did it like you yeah. know I never brought up a B like blah 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 but like yeah, I never had like any pressure mm-hmm. to be perfect or like get like great grades. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just but did you strive it. for it. But I did strive for it. I mean, my dad would be like, he would like when we were in middle school and elementary school, we would like check our report cards and like for every A we got, he would give us ten dollars. Or he said he would give us ten dollars. I've never seen any of that money. <laughs> um, but still. <laughs> Um, it's coming. He invested yeah, in it's somewhere. Get, you get the compounded interest. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's somewhere. Oh, That's gosh. amazing. Who was the hardest parent? I feel like your mom was. I don't know yeah. her, but just seeing the dynamic, I think what the first time I I saw her a lot in yeah. high school, she used to come and help out. I think a little no, bit. None of them were hard. Like none of them were like hard to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like. And I think they, this laid-back approach, it really does depend on the child. Like, you know, like, if you have a child that's not going to apply themselves, then you have to be, like, stricter. But, like, I don't know. I never really got any much sternness. I never have seen much sternness from, from my, like, when them teaching and parenting my little brother, who's still yeah. in the house right now, he's in 11th grade. I mean, they kind of guide him on more on career choices. Mm-hmm. But, like, he has a strong interest in computers. So I was telling him he would like computer science. And my dad was like, he's going to be an engineer. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. So, but I, I don't think I've really seen them, like, pushing us to, like, be the best in the class. It was kind of yeah. like, you know, like, try your best. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. And, and when I saw her, she, she, she liked me in terms of, like, whenever she come to campus, she was always very nice. Yeah, so yeah. I heard that. I, but I also feel like she was always on top of things. Yeah. Right? And so she, I feel like it, she was so amazing and always <laughs> making sure that you people are doing things. But as you said, if she doesn't need to check on you, then yeah. you are good. She would have had to check on me. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't. Yeah, every student is different. Yeah, that's the thing. Every person is different. I was a hard-headed kid, yeah. but I feel like it serves me well yeah. right, some, some, sometimes. Yeah, my mom was very involved, mm-hmm. but she, was. she wasn't like really like, what are your grades like? What class are you in? She yeah. probably like didn't even know. Um, but like she was like very involved in like my extracurricular activities, like mm-hmm. um, like my whole like upbringing, like being a part, like she, her being at school and mm-hmm. like knowing the extracurricular things that were going on um, was still like a very valuable part, mm-hmm. I feel like, of my childhood. Um, but I wouldn't say like they were involved in my grades, like mm-hmm. in the slightest. I think she knew my teachers and she was like buddy with them and like she did a lot of design work for the school so she like helped plan all the things because like that's what she likes to do. She likes entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and designing and things like, gra- not graphic design, but like event planning and things like that. So she was always very involved, which, yeah. is, a, which is a nice thing. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. One thing that... Uh, many people don't get is with the healthcare infrastructure in uh, places like Africa or different countries in Africa many healthcare infrastructure are, are not very good in terms of providing good care to their patients and many people in small in parts of each African country do not have access to healthcare uh, as 
as it is available here in the U.S. in a way. Yeah, right? absolutely. And many people do not understand the hardship that many physicians have to go through. I, I remember growing up, what I saw was my my dad like working long hours, sometimes sleeping in the hospitals, sometimes using his own money to provide care for the people that needs to be cared for, and the government don't don't really care all of that. Growing up, I'm sure you, I mean, even your dad had to work hard, but I'm sure you observed him. Like, have you noticed some of the hardship that he had to go through to, to be who he is today? Especially when he go to Nigeria and having to uh, interact with some of his relatives who have these illnesses. Mm -hmm. and But he, he can do something to help, but he cannot cure everything. Mm -hmm. How does that affect him? Yeah. Ah. Uh... I feel like he's not like the best at like showing emotion, so I can only oh, to yes. an extent like assume. Mm -hmm. um, but like he's definitely works like really hard, like at, like every natural disaster, he's like in the hospital sleeping there. Like you know, like he like will come back. Like if there's a flood, like he goes like we're evacuated. He's coming back, you know. So I feel like I can see him like really like grinding in those moments uh, and that definitely takes a toll on you you can get really tired and he used to always work multiple jobs he would have his own clinic right be a hospitalist for his patients in the hospital and then like also work at like urgent care clinics and stuff mm -hmm. like that and so for the most part i always just like saw him like like working and never complaining because uh, he's like i feel like maybe not the best to like show his emotions maybe to his like children mm -hmm. you know um but it can definitely be hard, especially like when you have sick people who are, you know, in Nigeria who are miles away and you can only come and see them once a year. Um, because like you want to do more for them, like you want to help them, but I feel like the system is broken so like you can't always go back and help them. Or if you do like get back and you come back in a year, they've progressed so much, like there's nothing that you can do for them. Or there's only so much medication that you can bring you know, to them. And I think in Nigeria, it's even more hard and can be even more frustrating because, like, a lot of times, like, hospitals and nurses, they go on strike mm -hmm. for their rights. And so, like, that can be tough to try to, like, get the care that they need. Wow. Um, so I can, I, I can see it always, like, being harder on him, especially when he was, uh, when I was younger and he worked more strict hours or longer hours. Um, he would just be, like, tired yeah. and everything. Uh, but again, like he like never really like showed his emotion all the time. He mm -hmm. just like tried to like show up for us and be there for us. Mm -hmm. But he definitely worked really hard. Mm -hmm. yeah. I can imagine definitely some. I don't know, but I can imagine uh, what some of the reason that he ne he may not have considered going back to Nigeria. Uh, I mean, you guys as kids, he wants you guys. He wanna grow with you guys, and you guys were young. I I feel like that's what. Uh, many people have to go through is he considering now to go back to nigeria potentially uh, still work there for a little bit uh i think he probably want to retire if yeah. he was like to work there uh he like wants to go back definitely wants to like be buried there and everything the only thing is like i don't know if my mom would want to go back mm -hmm. like he would like love to retire there i don't know how that's gonna work mm -hmm. why, why i guess don't time would tell I mean, like, like she's she's younger than my dad, so yeah. like, and like she like almost has all of her kids at the house, and like she's like been working on her business, and um, her mother passed away, my grandmother passed away. Sorry like, to hear that. You know, it's like two years ago, but thank you. Mm -hmm. so, like she's like she has to take care of her, she has to take care of us, uh, like like the main like provider, like um, and everything. Not main provider, but like she took care of the house. And so like, I feel like she's now like getting time to herself where she can like grow her business in the way that she wants to. Mm -hmm. So that's why I would say like she wouldn't want to go back. Mm -hmm. um, but she can travel you know, every month. She can. <laughs> she can travel every month. She is a big spender, so I have no doubt that she can travel <laughs> every month. <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah. But my dad definitely wants to like go back. I don't know if he would want to work. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can see him doing like, oh, I'm gonna volunteer here. I'm gonna help here because he's just like a giving mm -hmm. person. I can't see him saying, I'm getting up at five to go around. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't see that yeah. anymore. But he's definitely a very giving person. Definitely. Um, so I can always see him helping out. Definitely. Medicine, when, I'm, I'm, I know you had the exposure early on, but when did it click and you tell yourself, I want to do this? 
Yeah, I did some research in college mm. that was biomedical informatics, and I saw the way that technology was like shaping medicine. I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. It yeah. was really cool. That's like the like definitive like I can see myself doing this. Not in just Harvard, like, right? Yeah, I did. Um, I worked in their systems biology department for a summer. Um, and that was like when I saw all the cool things they were doing and I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And so I got really interested in biomedical informatics and maybe like getting a PhD in that because you have to get a PhD to do any of that kind of work. And then I went back to work in their department of um, biomedical informatics mm -hmm. and I worked with a lot of MDs as well as PhD and obviously MD PhDs as well. And they were like showing me like their day to day lives. And so then I knew, like, okay, I want to do, like, some research, but mm -hmm. I really want to have, like, a direct impact and stuff like that. Wow. That's amazing. Again, exposure. Exposure mm -hmm. and having having that kind, kind of allows you to imagine beyond limit. Yeah. And just know a little bit about some of the things that you're interested mm -hmm. in. So, I don't, in terms of our high school. Yeah. So, I feel like our class were one of the best class that came through Ozen. Mm. And in the reason I say that, I think they said that in terms of scholarships, right, f the, from number one to number 10 or number eight or something like that, we had the highest combined scholarship that this Oh, did they say that? Ever had. Ah. And it was the first time we beat actually Westbrook. Oh, I uh, see. Which was the class, I mean, the more privileged uh, school around the corner. Yeah, in public school. Yeah. In public schools, yeah. So, from there, you, you left there and decided to go to Prairie View A&M. Yeah. And uh, with your stats, I don't know exactly how they are, but you you definitely did well in high school, and I feel like you could have gone anywhere you wanted to. But you decided to go to PV. Why? Um. Yeah, I, like... Got, I, did, I definitely got into a lot of places, got into some like Ivy League places, um, but like, I just started, decided one? to go to, which, which Ivy League? Um, well, I just decided to go there because money, to be honest, I got, <clears throat> gosh, Northwestern's not really Ivy League, I got into there, I got into Carnegie Mellon Computer Science, I got into Cornell, um, like some places like that. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I really decided to go there for the money. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, like, they have a decent engineering program, of course. Um, and, like, it's, like, I would recommend anyone now going there to go there because of the opportunity. But, like, at the time, the reason why I chose to go there was because, like, they gave me a, a full-ride scholarship. Like, no one else, like, offered that to me. Uh, and I didn't want, like, anyone, like, to have the financial burden mm -hmm. on me. Like, on my financial burden on them or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like my dad was like, you got a full ride scholarship, you should take it, like you should just go. And like he went to a strictly bad college when he came to America on like a full ride scholarship. So that was the real reason like why I went. It wasn't like anything like with regards to prestige. Mm -hmm. um, but like I would tell somebody in a heartbeat now, like this is where you should go, especially if you're black, because like you just have so many opportunities that I feel like people who go to PWIs, no matter like how big they are, mm -hmm. don't have. And you could come out with a job, like, like specifically like engineering, I think. Mm -hmm. You can come out, I and mean, then like also media too, things like that, business schools, great nursing. Um, I feel like you can come out with a job working at Google. I have many friends that work at Google now. My old roommate, one of my closest friends, she works at Apple as an engineer, mm -hmm. like right out of college, making um, you know good, decent six-figure. And, like, you can go to a school where you pay and go into a lot of debt, mm -hmm. right? Or you can get them to pay for your education, and then they believe in you. Like, they will really want you to succeed. And I feel like, in a way, then a PWI a lot of times has too many people, or mm -hmm. you're just a number to them. Or, like, you know, they've got all of these other more privileged white people, Indian people, any of these non-these these minorities that are overrepresented, mm -hmm. or you have... Um, just you know white people who've got all this privilege like you're just a number to them yeah. like when you go in you compete for scholarships when you compete for jobs like you know 
it's just a lot harder. And I think like when you go to HBCU, like you really matter. And they, they, a lot of companies come there because they're like seeking black people, mm-hmm. and it just puts you in a much more advantageous position. Mm-hmm. That many people don't realize, and I feel um, like the tides, so yeah. the tides are steering toward uh, HBCUs a little bit, shining the lights on them. I've seen a lot of uh, athletes, especially, who decided to leave those big uh, scholarships from big colleges and just go to HBCUs because knowing that with their talent, no matter what, they will still get to wherever they want to go, NBA or NFL. But yeah, it's yeah. the same thing, right? Many people say, oh, I don't want to go because they, in their mind, it's like, I mean, society already said, make it seem like HBCU are lesser yeah. than PWI. And one of the reasons for that could be resources, right? Mm-hmm. HBCUs are not getting all the resources that they need. But there are many HBCUs who have created this environment that welcomes people and give them amazing college experience with also all the skills that they need to go out and succeed. Yeah, it's definitely, I would say it's like, it's not for everyone to an extent. Like, they, I think HBCUs will baby you a little bit more like high school and mm-hmm. like, they will like, most classes like, attendance is a part of it like most PWI they don't care if you come up they don't care if you show up or not like mm-hmm. HBCU's attendance is a part of the grade <laughs> like it's 10% of your grade if you don't show up you, there's impossible for you to make A right um, because it's 10% of your, mm-hmm. your score so I feel like in a way they are a little bit more involved in making sure and wanting you to show up succeed um, is yeah. that baby or empowering you know I I would say it's baby <laughs> I am it's to each his own right yeah. I would have loved to say you don't have to come to class is not a part of your grade. But I'm probably someone that was just going to study the material anyways. Mm-hmm. And not everyone's like that. Some people, you should be in class. You, you know, maybe it isn't babying, but I, to, to me, I saw it as babying. Mm-hmm. Like, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's not, it's not like right or wrong. Um, I felt like maybe upperclassmen should have had the opportunity. Like attendance doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, they really want you to succeed, and that's one of the like the ways that they go about making you succeed. And like having like summer programs and summer camps, like pre-matriculation camps, like mm-hmm. different matriculation camps based on everyone's needs, um, was really nice too to make sure like if you're advanced, they make sure you're coming in, mm-hmm. and you can like skip a few courses, or if you need an extra help, they'll make sure that that summer class will like catch you up to those students that are incoming that have already like achieved whatever level that you're trying to get to. Mm-hmm. So you did computer science, right? Yeah, I majored in computer okay. science. Yes. That's amazing. How, yeah. how did you choose that? Where did the computer science came in the picture? Um, I kind of know what I was doing. So. Well, you knew you wanted to go to medicals. But I knew I wanted to go to medical school. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I like. I feel like I wanted to go to medical school, not like for any real reason, besides just like it'll be fun. I didn't really know, but like all my friends were choosing engineering programs, so I was like, oh, maybe I'll choose engineering because I I like math, mm-hmm. which is really the only thing I liked in college and high school, and I liked physics. Mm-hmm. I didn't like biology, chemistry. Wow. I didn't like. I liked physics and I liked math. Yeah. Same. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't like. I mean, biology wasn't fun to me. I didn't really understand what a cell was as I was leaving college. I mean, like, I knew the components. I memorized the facts. I didn't know what mm-hmm. the, was going on. I didn't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse my language. I just did, like, I had no clue what was happening. Um, so all of my friends were choosing engineering programs, and I was just like, okay, I'll pick yeah. computer engineering. It's what I picked, computer engineering, not computer science. Yeah. Um, and so, like, basically, based off every college I applied to, I applied to something different, like, I, at Cornell, I applied to like human biology, psychiatry, nutrition. Uh, at Carnegie Mellon, I applied, I think computer science and maybe computer engineering. Um, and like some places, I applied electrical engineering or like neuroscience, like mm-hmm. Rice neuroscience. Like it was random. It really was random. Um, and then I got the full right to go to PV, and I chose them for computer engineering. Wow. Um, and then. And then this, I think, also, like, the reason why I ended up not sticking with computer engineering, I think, goes to the fact that a lot of the career that you choose, you need early exposure to mm-hmm. it. And I didn't feel like I got enough early exposure to computer engineering, and I felt like I was going to fail. Mm-hmm. Because, like, we took introductory computer science in, for that major, and you took introductory electrical engineering for that mm-hmm. major. And I felt far more prepared for the computer science aspect because I took computer science in high school. Mm-hmm. I did not take computer engineering or electrical engineering in high school. So when they had us building circuits and like taking these schematics from the paper and building them on like whatever, I just didn't, I couldn't conceptualize how we got 
from this circuit on that we drew on this paper, from this physics that I understood, mm -hmm. how we got that to like actually building it. Mm -hmm. And I asked everyone around me, like my classmates, like how do you like, just, how do you know how to do this? And like all of them have, like had programs. Mm -hmm. Like they were like, oh, my school was like this engineering thing. Like I already did, I already built these circuits mm -hmm. and things like that. And I was like, well, I just don't like this. Like I just, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I'm sure if I would have stuck to it, it would, I would be like, mm -hmm. oh, it's easy now. Like, of course I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but I had a far more better time in computer science. And so I just ended up switching my major. Mm -hmm. Um, to computer science, and I was debating between that and Kimmy, um, but I chose computer science because, like, I already knew it, and it was fun, and, like, honestly, it was easy, like, introduction to computer science, if you've already done computer science, it's just, like, you don't really need any guidance for that, um, so I ended up, like, changing my major after the first semester to mm -hmm. computer science, and, like, I don't regret it, because, like, computer science is, like, it's, it's like a sleeper. It's like a sleeper major. Like yeah. you, once you learn more about it, there's infinite amount of possibilities you can do because it's oh, in yeah. every field, right? Yeah, then you you are able to live in two worlds: one world outside and other world in your mind. Yeah, you just can create different things that's so abstract that people don't understand if you don't know the codes and all of that. Yeah, it's true. That's amazing. Many people do. Many people uh, just would think that as a black person coming to an HBCU, you're just gonna be a piece that's gonna fit in. But it's not that easy because in the black population, we have, uh, in terms of the culture, there's so many different cultures, right? Of course, we have the, the African cultures, we have the African American, but African American cultures, but it also, within the African American cultures, it depends where you grow up. Some people grow up in a very uh, suburban where there were only the, the only uh, African American there. Some people grow around African American. And, it's so many different uh, people coming together, even though they are the same people, but they are so different in terms of background and culture. How hard was it to fit in uh, when you started? Um, I think it was really nice. Like I think college is where I really like stepped out of my shell. Because mm -hmm. um, you're kind of like forced to, but then like also like everyone's like partying and stuff. So like you just like, you let yourself lose a little bit. Mm -hmm. It was always like a good job, so mm -hmm. I feel like college was like when I like really like had a lot of fun, um, and so like I think the the thing that is interesting about most HBCUs is that people are a little bit more similar than like PWIs. Like mm -hmm. PWIs, there's like so many different types of groups of people, and you just find where you fit in, and like sometimes maybe you don't feel excluded because it's. A little bit more white mm -hmm. um, in like spaces, but I feel like in HBCUs, sometimes it feels like almost like a monolith of like you should behave this way or you're not in, and like a, sort of like a high school vibe sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but like I still feel like you still find your own people there. Like there's still like there's still so many African groups, African Students um, Association that like you can go to, have fun with them. There are still gonna be like the computer science geeks that like you just like have a lot of fun with. Uh, overall, I say it's a little bit more of like a monolith of like everyone like having a sort of like more high school, everyone having like the same behaviors or like you should like be like this and be like that. Mm -hmm. But there are still lots of subgroups um, that you can go and like really find yourself. And it's a great environment because it's really supportive because everyone looks like you. So like everyone's like wearing their natural hair. Like that's when I like decided I would go natural and like not like have a perm. Um, in my hair because like or relaxer rather because like I feel like you see people that look just like you living their best life and it allows you to like step out of your shell and so I think it wasn't necessarily for me about finding my people and finding like I can fit in or finding my group it was like me like realizing who I was and like mm. who I wanted to be mm. and so like I got a whole bunch of like made a whole bunch more like Nigerian friends mm. Um, and like it was like really like eye-opening to like see so many Nigerian people because like in Beaumont There are not that many mm -hmm. right, but like at Prairie View there are like so many so many international students so many people who grew up like me um, Just in America like and like we could relate to experiences um, So many like people who are like incredibly smart like smarter than me there and like getting to chat with them um, Was amazing so I feel like so many different people come to HBCUs and like it feels like a monolith at first, but there are still ways where you can like discover yourself and discover people like you. But I think in college in general, it's like more important not to just like find your group, but like to discover, discover who you are and like where you want to be and who you want to like 
be friends with and been in with. Wow, that's that's amazing. So you did well in uh, computer engineering. I mean, computer science mm-hmm. later, and uh, you got hired by one of the biggest companies in uh, one of the biggest companies in uh, the U.S. Chevron. Because they actually did ExxonMobil during the COVID nineteen. Let's go. <laughs> they fired a lot of people in both companies. Yeah. I feel like, but well, Chevron had did, did, did it a better way. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, but hey, uh, but it was a very tough time for both companies. But mm-hmm. how was that experience? You decided to work for two years. You went mm-hmm. out. What What was the job description? And um, I had two jobs. Not to brag, no, I'm kidding. Um, I had two jobs, so my first job was, I was an automation analyst, so I was an automation engineer. So I was like doing IT for IT, very meta work, not really. Um, but like uh, people that worked in IT, they needed a lot of automated processes for their work, so we automated a lot of their scripts. So like they needed to like clean up like the whole company wide, like, I don't know, like box or drive, that they use like OneDrive, like, you know, some certain files need to be deleted after certain days. Like we made scripts that would go through all of the company's files, like from every single region, EUSA, um, Philippines, US, um, things, all of these companies, all of these uh, regions for Chevron and mm-hmm. make sure like that they kept like their IT organization files like cleaned up, up to par. Like those types of automation scripts, we made like cybersecurity scripts. Um, we would make like looking in email scripts that would like look through people's emails and like block certain things, mm-hmm. um, flag certain things. So we had people like IT people, IT professionals that needed things automated and do it automated for them. So that was my first job. Uh, and I did a lot of cloud work with them because we worked on like an archaic automation system. So we like were switching to a cloud-based system, which was fun. And then after that, I worked, um, so everyone like kind of got switched around because mm-hmm. COVID, a lot of people got fired. So they did a, a reorganization, as they say. And then I uh, got hired as a cloud engineer mm-hmm. or, uh, yeah, cloud in- engineer. So I did that for a little while. And basically, uh, all I was doing then was like more cloud-based automation, mm-hmm. automation work. So my, my entire time there, I did a lot of automation work. Mm-hmm. And I did some data science work um, in one of the development programs they had. Um, where we got to work with a lot of people who had PhDs wow. and we did like some predictive analytics for like gas prices and stuff like that, which was fun. Wow. But and, yeah. And during all of that time, you always, you always had in the back of your, your mind medicines. Um, right. Like, I think like going in, mm-hmm. I chose a job where I could just make a lot of money quickly. Mm-hmm. They, they pay a lot of money at oil and gas, yeah. you know. And then I really liked it because I like computer science, I like programming. And I'm like, you know, you make a lot of money, you could just like do this for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And then I got to the point where, like, I'm bored, and I just, like, I loved programming, but I didn't like what I was programming. I just Mm -hmm. felt like it wasn't that cool. I felt like I could have, like, made a difference somewhere else. And, like, doing IT work for IT, right, or doing software engineering for IT, like, Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, it just didn't feel like I was reaching anyone, Mm -hmm. you know. Like, I'm within the company so deep, I'm not touching anything that could really, I feel like, have an impact on someone's life. Like, I'm not really helping to keep someone's life on, you know? Like, I'm not really a part of, like, actually, you know, the industry of energy. I was just, like, I feel like I had a random job that wasn't really impactful. Um, and then technology moves so fast. Anything that you work on, literally in six months, could be, like, we're not using Outdated. that anymore. Yeah. Exactly. So I just didn't feel like that was necessarily what I wanted to do. So then I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to go to medical school because, like, I've seen it. It's nice making money. Um, but I just didn't feel like it was like impactful. Like I felt like I wanted to use my computer science skills, like to actually like help someone. And I felt like I could do that in medical school. Wow, that's yeah. a big thing. And uh, definitely, uh, our generation is more focused on the why and how can we make impact versus mm-hmm. just so getting a job and getting money. But that's also a big shift. Like yeah. from having that type of money as a 23, 24 year old, right? Uh, and then having to switch and deciding to go to school for like years and years. How, how hard was that decision? And of course, you don't just get up and go switch. Like you have to go through applications and all of that. <laughs> what was that journey like? I think, I think 
COVID helped. I know a lot of people say like the Fosse effect. I don't think for me that wasn't it. I think it was time. Like I could, I got to work from home. Mm-hmm. So like I, that was a, a nice privilege for me because then I could like say like I really didn't want to do like just like wake up for like a drone kind of like doing something that the work didn't feel like I was really like reaching anyone. It wasn't really fulfilling. Even though I love the computer science mindset and problem solving was fun and like building things was fun. So, but I, I think that having COVID and like working from home, I got a lot more time, like think about what I really want to do. I have more, a lot of time more to like work on my applications. So for me, I don't know about the Fauci effect. I've heard like many debates on that mm-hmm. or the Fauci effect, sorry. Mm-hmm. I've heard many like um, debates on that, but I think a lot of that comes from like, I have time mm-hmm. now to go and actually work on my application. And I think also with COVID, medical school kind of became a little bit more accessible to a lot of people. Mm. You don't have to save interview, money yeah. to go and interview. You know, the MCAT is a little shorter. Not that it was easier. It definitely was the same amount of difficulty. But I feel like it became a little bit more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I feel like the, like the real, like, switch for me was probably just, like, COVID, everything felt a little bit more meaningless. Mm. Right, so then I was like, okay, I gotta get my stuff together so I can like get my application together so I can actually like apply, right? Because uh-huh. I felt like, but I felt like COVID was just like, you see people doing impactful things, right? And I just felt like what I was doing was definitely not essential, you know? Like, so yeah, it's fun it's, though, yeah, it's fun. It's the same mentality as I feel like when you were younger, right? You're that kid who did not feel like you had to be told what to do, to do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You went out, you got your grades, you d- did the dishes because you know they were supposed to be done. You went out of your way and ordered yourself to do what's supposed to be done. And in the same place where you got to a point where you wanted to do something, you decided to empower yourself and go do that. Many people just do not have that kind of strength in terms of life. Man, this is going on. Let me let me get up and go to work and then come back work on my dreams, right? Yeah, uh, it, it's tough, right? Uh, working from eight to five and coming back home drained is tough, but deciding to say, okay, I'm gonna go do my job and come back and then work on my life as a twenty, very young person, right? Many people cannot do that. I mean, that's true. I mean, you have to be like kind of like focused. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like a lot more, uh, like, you have, because, like, it's draining, like, work is draining, like, you know, it's tiring, like, doing something for eight hours, and then, like, having to come home and, like, study or, like, work on your applications um, is definitely hard. I think, like, you have to, like, try to, like, set expectations or, like, really focus, so, like, one of the things that I used to do, I, like, loved YouTube for that, because, like, people would do, like, study with me videos, and I would just, like, watch them, like, get inspired and, like, try to, like, actually lock in and, like, zone in. Because at the beginning, when I started, like, I don't know, like, studying for the MCAT or, like, writing my essays, it was kind of, like, I'm distracted here and there. I had some of, like, especially, like, just working. Like, working going home, like, I just, like, came home, just, like, play video games, like, chill. That's what I wanted to do, and I had to tell myself, like, no, you gotta, like, you gotta, like, focus on this. Like, just give some time to it. And it takes a lot of dedication, especially, like, if you didn't major in biology or things that really will help you for the MCAT, I think. Um, and it definitely is a little harder if you did a major where like computer science, yes, you have to study, but like if you understand the concepts are good versus like all of this stuff was mostly like fact and it was a broad, a breadth of things. So you really had to dedicate a lot of times. Like you couldn't just dedicate, I'm going to dedicate an hour a day to like studying for this. Are you like, well, for me specifically, I wouldn't have succeeded mm-hmm. um, because I just didn't have a lot of the background knowledge that was like, I felt like helpful to other people to just like take the test with less preparation and feel confident and succeed. Um, so I used to like use YouTube, like study with me videos to like kind of like get inspiration. And then like other things that I did um, were like practice tests. And like, so you can like pay if you have the money to like actually get like a, a proctored exam that's like not the real thing that can get you in the mindset. So even if you like go in there and you bomb this test, it's like telling me, okay, I need to kick in tiger. Like, I can't succeed at the rate that I'm going Mm -hmm. and I could just like lock in for like two months and get this together and like focus on it so that was really good that was one of the things I did to like succeed 
And I think like online like resources in general are helpful. So like I did the Kaplan uh, thing. It was like an online one and Purdy paid for it for me, which was really nice. Um, I had gotten it like two, three years ago before I graduated and I could unlock it at any time as in whenever you're ready. So that was a great resource. They paid for me entirely and it was like $2,000. And I started using that and you could go to like online classes it wasn't like one-on-one -on -one or anything which like anyone around the nation could like go to those classes but that like really helped me discover my imbalances like where i was lacking in knowledge and i didn't know this and i should have known this so i think like not comparing yourself to others but like going to like nationwide resources i know they made like nationwide anki decks and things like that to prepare you i feel like that really helps you know like how to be prepared 1000 percent, especially if you're like going into medical school like me with like not really much help. I think Purview prepared me, prepares you a, a lot more if you go in straight from undergrad, mm -hmm. but like if you go in not from undergrad, it um, is a little bit more like DIY on your own mm -hmm. type of thing. And so just making sure that you understand like nationwide what's going on so mm -hmm. that you can like be really ready and be a like very competitive applicant I think is important. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I feel like those are the things that I kind of like did to succeed. Yeah. I hope I'm answering your, your no, that question. No, answer, that's the answer okay. the question. And I mean, during that time, it was one of the craziest time with COVID-19, having to be at home. I'm sure, I mean, you used it for good, but there were some time where the world were in flame, right? I mean, a specific time, I think it was in June or somewhere around there where George Floyd, uh, that thing happened and different things were happening at the same time and the world kind of came in in these moments of uh, just seeing our true self in a way yeah. and no matter what hole you were in or what corner of the world you were in you had to face these things and really think about it right yeah. and, and and be part of that discussion yeah how hard was that for you with everything that was going on how what what how hard was it to find mm -hmm. the motivation to focus on you and not focus on all the cries that yeah. were happening? Yeah, it can be, it was very depressing. Like, I think when I, like, just working and then, like, coming home and doing nothing before I, like, started, like, getting serious about, like, I'm going to go to medical school before, besides just, like, saying it. I think it can get very depressing because, like, you go to work, you do something fairly meaningless for me specifically, and, like, you come home and, like, you go to the news and like people are like dying and then like you're at work and like someone's talking about some very specific thing that actually means nothing it's very minute but you have to like fix a small bug and then like you look to the news and like people are dying there's a hurricane COVID is happening police brutality and like in SARS you know in Nigeria that big movement like I think that it can be hard because like you feel like you really feel like, oh, I'm not doing anything mm -hmm. meaningful, right? I'm not helping anything. You wonder if you should go walk out and do something. Yeah, or you should just stay exactly. and focus on you. Exactly, exactly. So, like, I think, I mean, I, I went to a fair bit of protests that I could, like, in Houston when I lived there. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that was, like, really nice. But I think also it's kind of hard. And I never, like, said this to anyone, but it's very hard because if you're applying to be a doctor, like, they want your record spotless while people are out here getting arrested for no reason, right? So that's like rough mm -hmm. to like think about. It's like you almost think about like, should I even be going to these protests, right? Specifically protests for like black lives, things like that are much more police than protest for abortion and protest for any other thing that's going on in the world. I feel like they're a lot more aggressive mm -hmm. um, to these, these protests. So like that's something that always like hung over my head when I was like going to these protests, but like, I mean, I, I still did it um, very nonviolently, of course. Um, but you always like kind of like worry about that. But I think like getting out into your community. I went back to Prairie View and I did some marches with them when they did their big one, which was really nice. Mm -hmm. um, because Prairie View is where Sandra Bland actually died. Like there's a lot of you know racial groups. I think they have the KKK like still in that area. Is what I oh, heard wow. from people who grew up in like Waller, Prairie View, and in Prairie View um, region. And so like just making sure that like going out and like protesting was my way specifically of feeling like I could do something tangible mm -hmm. and like not getting on like Facebook arguments with people um, because it, <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a rough time it really no, was my sister I can't imagine my sister yeah. <laughs> she left Facebook because oh, of no. that <laughs> yeah no because it, it's 
it's like it's really hard because like people that like you go to church with you realize oh like you're kind of racist people like that you just saw in your life you know not in any political way like maybe you knew they voted for bush but like who cares but like you realize like no like you're really like racist like and you don't even know it like you think this is okay like this behavior um which is like rough. It's really rough because like you go to work from nine to five, or I guess I went to work from seven to four, mm-hmm. and like you do this minute thing. No one's really talking about it. The air is kind of tense. You go home and you do nothing, and it's just like really like the world is moving, and you feel like you can't make a change. And I think yeah. that was another reason why. And I'm you like, got the news talking to you, just yeah. screaming at your ears. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It really is true. Yeah. Wow. And fast forward with I mean. So many things passed in, in these past four years, but you keep pushing and your work paid off. You got you are in medical school. I think one of the best medical schools uh, in Texas uh, with, the, with the newer vision than many other traditional medical schools. How did you make this one uh, be your home? Um, that's a good question. I think so... Dell Medical School specifically, I think they have like a good vision, even though they're like a much younger school. Um, and I was choosing like specifically, but I wanted to stay in Texas. I knew that for sure. But I was choosing between like them and Baylor. Um, and I got a decent scholarship here, which was great. And that obviously can motivate anyone like to choose where they want to go because like you know at the end of the day you're gonna get a degree, which is the most important thing. So I think money was one of the things that helped me um, choose this. And I. I I mean, I don't mind being honest and, like, open about that because I think graduating debt-free is very important, especially for, like, black individuals. Like, I mean, my dad made a fair bit of money, but he has four kids. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. And plus, like, he has family back in Nigeria. Like, that generational wealth that I feel like a lot of people have, we don't have, even mm-hmm. though he makes a You don't have that privilege. Exactly. So, like, putting someone in debt is, like, not what I wanted to do. So I feel like some people have the privilege of just choosing the school based on their needs and like what they want. But like I always keep finances in the back of my head that like graduating like debt free is very important to me. So that's one of the reasons why you chose it. Also, it just seems like an environment where they're not gonna always it's not I mean it's not always feels like this, but most of the time it feels like you're not going to be compared to anyone else. Everyone's just, like, trying to succeed. Mm-hmm. And I think they embody that by, like, pass-fail, like, first year and, like, doing that and just, like, making sure, like, if you fail, it's okay to, like, try again. All of that was one of the one of the bigger things that was really important to me. Um, I think also, like, Dean Johnson, even though he's not with us, like, here anymore, I think that was oh, another, yeah. like, big thing that kind of, like, made you want to, like, choose the school and, like, all of his impact that he's had. I met him once. Yeah. He was a, he's an amazing individual. He is. He's just very receptive and welcoming. And I think also their motto, like, the third year project, getting, to, like, to get a master's if you want to work at a project, if you want, like, that's really important. Like, it's, like, almost accelerated program of, like, after second year, you can, like, done with the hardest part of medical school right that's really motivating and i think like just them valuing your life experiences like not everyone just came straight from high school straight from college like them valuing like experiences that you've had in the real world and seeing that you can incorporate this into how you treat patients Mm -hmm. um i think is all of the reasons why like i chose it so yeah amazing so you are doing your second year and uh, as we were talking in the beginning of this podcast you're going through your clinical which is one of the amazing thing about them you do one year of traditional learning and then you start doing your clinical right away and uh, you you said that you are interested in OBGYN but you have how many other uh, specialty have you experienced so far just so I've just done my surgery surgery yeah, and stuff all and it's all been amazing right now yeah, so it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. The environment's definitely, like, weird. And I think the environment, it just depends on the team. What which was I would say, oh, sorry, what were you no, going to say? I was saying, what was the funnest surgery that you I No, I've been to a lot of cool surgeries. I've witnessed, like, a mother to son, live kidney donor. Um, I've mentioned, I've seen a lot of AAA repairs with just, like, really cool technology of, like, wow. almost, they, like, will, like, in layman's terms, it almost looks like they take, like, a little, um, little coily screw Mm -hmm. and like they drill like almost like a graft in place to the aorta it's like really cool um so i've seen like a fair bit of cool surgeries they let me amputate a foot which was like a lot of fun but like i think you had this saw yeah so it's called a a, um uh, it's called a jiggly saw Mm -hmm. and you can like 
it's off, but it's fine. Um, but I think that, like, a, the team is what makes the environment fun. And I think like, if you don't like the team and you still like it, like, you know you really like it. So, like, I had a great time in, like, vascular surgery. Everyone was so nice to me. Everyone was teaching. I don't want to say everyone was teaching, but everyone was really nice. They taught when they could because they were busy. And, like, my team was the residents, the interns. They were really, like, fun. And I had, like, I enjoyed giving it work. And then I did trauma surgery, and, like, I feel like the vibe was definitely different. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I didn't, like, necessarily, like, I won't say I didn't like anyone, but it was a very tense environment. They didn't really feel, like, very welcoming all the time. But I, I still enjoyed going to all the traumas, seeing all the trauma stats, mm-hmm. going to the surgeries. Like, I had, like, a good time and all the chaos. So I really liked it. Um, but I don't think that one bad experience to soil anyone. Soil anyone's, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do this anymore. But in the same light, I don't think any person's good experience should be like this is the subspecialty that I want to mm-hmm. do because like it could be was it the, the surgeries or was it the people yeah. right you know what I'm saying or was it like you know there are many factors so I feel like experiencing multiple times like I've seen people who like loved one thing about surgery and they were doing it and they're like I want to be a surgeon and they experienced another thing and they're like I hate this so you know you gotta like don't let two like amazingly different experiences like guide your choices like mm-hmm. really like think about it is what I would say and I would say keep your options open because I didn't think that I would like Definitely. surgery um and everything but I like really like it it's fun Definitely. So, yeah. it's crazy how two years ago when COVID was hitting you were uh, talking thinking about this considering what you were going to do uh, in terms of going to medical school and now you are halfway through medical school you're about to go into residency and you have an amazing future, definitely coming. Fingers crossed. <laughs> crossed. I mean, with all the prayers and blessings and all the good things that you are put in the world, I'm sure good things gonna be returned to you. And you are very young, so we all are very young, right? In term of in term of that, Africa, the continent, and uh, our countries definitely there's a lot of things we are still very behind in terms of healthcare and technological development uh, compared to the rest of the world and i know no matter what we are doing there is something a little little touch in the back of our mind that tells us we have to at least try to contribute and one of the amazing things about us versus our parents generation is that our parents generation their focus was more how can i get to the US, how can I get to here and establish a life there? But we have, we can have a different mentality of like, how can we become global impactors? We don't have to be in one place all of our life. Of course, we can call one place home, but we have the ability to become global impactor because of all the potential and things that are in our hands. Like, have you ever thought about what are some of the things that we would like to do abroad and in terms of helping out uh, our mother? Continent. Yeah, I'm really so. Um, I'm really, really, really would like to like work on a piece of technology that can improve like fertility um, and like IVF that can really impact everywhere. And so that's like one of my like biggest goals that I think like hopefully can be like really tangible. And I think also just like going back, going back home and like giving back where I can. So like actually like you know like going like to see my family in the village and like if they need medication like being able to provide that for them is like one of the things that I like I really really wanted to be able to do mm-hmm. and like for me it's all about like tangible goals like maybe I won't be able to like change the world but like if I can come like go back home and like really like give what I can and like give my time mm-hmm. to my family I think that will be very impactful for me and then I think also like working on like these predictive analytics to like help people actually find cheaper ways to get pregnant and improve their fertility chances I think is something that is really important to me especially in Nigeria where I feel like definitely in some parts um, women are very much so like disadvantaged and you know especially like East Nigeria like not really like wanted to like go to school after a certain age just like being empowering in that aspect I think is like really important that's amazing that's amazing so I'm sure somewhere around the world there's a little naked uh, <laughs> sitting there going to oh, school gosh. and listening to your story yeah 
if there's one thing that you'd like to advise, one advice in terms of all your journey, I mean, while you are going through the hardship and the challenges, it's very hard to contemplate and figure out like about all the hardships that you had to go through. But if you look back, you kind of mm-hmm. say, wow, that was a journey. Yeah. Right? Looking at all of that, is there one specific thing or mentality or skills that you feel like was integral in helping you have that smooth, not smooth, mm-hmm. but go through that rough yeah. journey? I think, I would say, if there's someone like me, like probably to like relax and like say yes to more things. Mm. There are a lot of like opportunities that like you feel like you have to say no to. Or like maybe like you're too afraid socially to go to. I would say like to say yes to more things, to like more opportunities to have more like fun. Um, I think would be like one of the biggest things. And then also like relax, like things are gonna work out. Like it's okay to fail, um, and it is like. And that's something I still tell myself today because like I'm still very scared of like failing like an exam or like not doing well enough. But like don't focus on like failing. Just like focus on like learning something from that opportunity and moving on. Like brushing it off. Uh, that's something I definitely learned during my surgery clerkship is like things are moving so fast so you can't like you did something wrong there or like someone corrected you on that like you gotta keep moving like you gotta learn from that and like keep going um so like just like don't take things to heart say yes to these opportunities and like you know brush things off like it's a learning experience everything is um just be ready to adapt for like the next thing like don't worry about how things looked in the past or overthink things just worry about doing better learning from it so yeah that's amazing that is amazing one of the things i've been reading these books and one of the things that uh one of the biggest idea that uh they were talking about is the idea of motion versus action right emotion is something that is motivated by fear or failure right you don't want to fail so you tell yourself you need to start doing this and that but when you are in motion you are not doing really anything but you are just trying to uh hide mm. the fact that you are doing something yeah so you are planning telling yourself that you are doing things but you're not doing things you're just trying to make yourself be active right. which is very different than action where you start implementing it and stuff like yeah. that so i just wanted to share that too in terms of what i have been learning uh this week but thank you so much for the amazing time mm-hmm. and uh, the <laughs> the conversation uh, I really enjoy these conversations because podcast allows us to really dig deep. I mean, we, we get a chance to talk. We are all have busy lives, but you don't, you really cannot dig deep into things that you and I understand. But in places like this, I feel like you have the chance to dig deep into things and get to know people. Well. Yeah. And I feel like I got to know a little bit about where your drive is coming from. Well, thank you keep shining yeah, same to you thank you thank you so much for taking your time and listening to this episode i hope you enjoyed it if you feel like this episode has helped you in any way share it with a friend family or loved one.